You're listening to Drive and Convert, a podcast about helping online brands to build a better e-commerce growth engine with John McDonald and Ryan Garrow. So, John, you recently wrote an article that kind of put my head in a spin around product description. Sometimes that's yeah, too I know, easy, huh? my brain is not necessarily the most <laughs> difficult thing you've uh, to do if you're in this space, but uh, you wrote an article about product descriptions and their, how they can significantly improve conversion rates. And that surprises me because I personally ignore those all the time and I focus on other aspects of marketing and driving traffic as per usual. But that it, for me, it's kind of like a side, like just put it in there as long as it's in there and then we can manipulate it going into Google Shopping where it's going to have an impact on your traffic. So just get something in there, period. Obviously, I was wrong on this, in my opinion. <laughs> um, and there's prob- I'm probably not alone in that. So I'm excited today. John's going to school us on product descriptions and what you should be doing as an e-commerce business to leverage that to improve conversion rates. So John, kick us off. Uh, explain at a high level, of all the things you could be focusing on on your site, why product descriptions in your mind are one of the top things you can be doing to improve conversion rates. Yeah, well, I think the you basically just said it best, right? In the in your tee up here where a lot of people just don't pay attention to this. And I think it's really really forgotten. And that's a challenge, right? In that as you're optimizing websites, it's one of the first places we go because most people forget about it. But look, we've learned over a decade of running A-B tests on hundreds of product detail pages that optimizing your product descriptions is just one of the highest return, lowest investment improvements that an e-commerce manager can make, right? And, and they're, look, they're a key part of your potential customer's decision-making process. I think the stat that my team here at The Good always says is that 87% of consumers rate product content extremely or very important to deciding to buy. Wow. 87%. Way higher than I would have thought. Right. Well, that's exactly the problem is most people don't think about this. And so if you're not optimizing product descriptions, you're certainly leaving money on the table. So that's why you should focus on this. If we're going to improve it, if we just assume that, for example, my product descriptions are just terrible because <laughs> I didn't focus on them, uh, what are the areas I need to be looking at as I'm staring at my product description and where do I start, I guess, would be the best question. Well, I think there's four main areas that everyone should be focusing on and we can we can chat about today and we can break these down. But the first is the real job of a product description. Most people think the real job of the product description is something that it's not. And we should, we'll dive into that a little bit. <laughs> The, the second is that it's an effective product description template needs to be used. So we can talk about what, what goes into those and what items you need to check the box to, to really make it great. And then how to write one that converts. It's not just having the content. You need to also be thinking about how you're writing that content. And then we, we can really talk about I frequently ask questions around the, the product descriptions that I get because I get a lot of questions about it. Once we start optimizing, you know, it, people start thinking about it. A lot more questions come up than than you might imagine. Partly that's why we're doing the show today, right? It's it makes your head mm-hmm. spin a little bit. That means there's a lot of questions there, and you're not alone in that, really. So maybe we can just break those four down and 
discuss each pretty briefly? I'm excited for it. So what's the real job of a description of a product? <laughs> I mean, in my mind, it's to describe the product. It's a blue t-shirt. Right. <laughs> Congratulations. All yeah, right. So, right. Exactly. Let's so go. if you put a blue t- if you just said blue t-shirt, how many sales do you think you're going to get? Right. So let's just poke a hole in the idea that the job of the e-commerce product description is just to describe the product. I think that that's not right. Given the name, it makes sense that most folks think this, but product descriptions aren't there to just describe what's on your e-commerce site. They're also there to qualify, right? Do they help your visitors quickly assess, is this for someone like me, right? Do they persuade, right? Is it a compelling description? Is it customer-centered on the reasons they should be considering that product? And then it's also there to surface. And what I mean by that is to help people find the product. So this is the third one on purpose because a lot of people will stuff keywords throughout in terms of search engine optimization, uh, you know, and optimizing the, the product description. But look, you know, SEO keywords and search terms, and if you use those in a natural way, you want, you know, you'll get the page to show up and you want it to show up in search engine or even Amazon results if you're talking about optimizing your product descriptions on Amazon, which should also be done. So mm-hmm. here's really one way to really think about this, right? Product descriptions are a bit like your 24-7 in-store retail associate for your online store, right? We often talk about if you wouldn't do something in a retail store, don't do it on your website. Let's take that analogy a step further and say, you know, how would associate talk about the product? If you walked into a store and said, hey, I'm looking for a t-shirt, what questions are they going to ask to help you find the right one in that store? So as a virtual retail associate, they can have that same, the product description can have that same kind of impact, right? And if it does its job well, it's going to draw visitors to your goods and then increase the conversions on those. And if it's done poorly, it's just going to frustrate visitors and push them away and, and hurt sales. So it's very, very similar. Hmm, I like that. I think a lot of people, at least in what I think through is, I don't think about qualifying. I'm like, you got to my page, you clicked on my product from Google Shopping, you saw the price, just go buy it. And then, you know, if I'm, I'm in the jar looking at the label in the wrong way from that perspective and I step out, I realize, okay, well, I know conversion rates on shopping traffic is generally lower than category mm-hmm. page traffic. And so I'm like, oh, well, possibly because my category is doing a better job describing the product or qualifying that person you know, coming in and I'm just leaving that there rather than pulling it through and, and looking at qualifying them. Yeah. You're not alone on that. A lot of brands look at a category page as an opportunity to convert. I look at a category page as an opportunity to help somebody to the next step in the funnel, which is get them to mm-hmm. that product detail page. And that's where you can really convert and sell and make sure people are getting the right product for them. Okay, I concur. So <laughs> tell us then, okay, once I decide that it's more than just describing a product, mm-hmm. how, what's a template look like that's going to help me through creating this product description that is going to be more than just describing my product. I love when I can change minds and, and I'm glad, <laughs> glad we're helping do that today. All right. We are. <laughs> Again here, there are, there are a handful of bullet points of things that you want to ensure are included, right? So first of all, you need a descriptive headline, okay? So use a product title that's going to hook your audience. Bonus points if you can connect with them emotionally, right? So we don't want blue t-shirt. We want the t-shirt that makes your dad bod look hot, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Then we want... I'm getting those ads on Instagram, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, this is terrible. <laughs> Ryan's looking good today in his shirt, by the way. All right. So benefits focused paragraphs, right? So use a descriptive paragraph to explain why. And I mean exactly why the customer benefits 
from the product. Too many people talk about features and that's it. They just bullet point features and don't talk about the benefits, right? You know how I, I led with the t-shirt that's going to make you, your dad bod look hot? That's what we want to be talking about here. What's the benefit? Not that it's a blue t-shirt. Yeah, that might be in there. But mm-hmm. what's the benefit of wearing that t-shirt, right? The other thing we want to have in here is a key benefits list. So follow that description with a bulleted list of product features and benefits. And this is where you can get into those details that, you know, if somebody's just skimming, they're going to look at that list, right? So you're you're really what you're doing here is you're providing the benefits in a paragraph, maybe even telling a little bit of a story could be really helpful there. Don't make it too long. But then if somebody really wants, just, just give me the details. I already know I want a blue t-shirt. I just am deciding between two or three different ones and they want to know the specs and the features. That's where they're going to go is the bullet list. So don't bury those in the paragraph, right? The paragraph should be, hey, here's the benefits to you. If you want to know the features and the details, look at the bullet list that comes next. And then the fourth thing is add some additional motivation. So really what we're trying to do here is just minimize those remaining purchase hurdles. So will it fit? Do others like it? So do things like credibility, social proof. You can bake in product reviews or even urgency. And of course, make sure you have a clear call to action, right? So many brands we talk to have like four buttons to add to cart. And it's like, you know, oh, you can use quad pay, after pay. You could use Amazon checkout. You could use blah, blah, right? And it's like, <laughs> just give them one button and then push that to the next step, right? Get them to commit and then tell, ask them how you want to pay. Because my brain goes in funny directions when you say urgency. Can you explain uh, what that means from you, your perspective, because mm-hmm. it's probably not the little pop-up thing on Shopify that says, hey, Bob in New York just bought this Ugh. and Susie in Florida bought this product. I guarantee you don't like that one because I don't like that yeah, one. Yeah, nobody likes that. Nobody dislikes as you. So. <laughs> I call that one of those uh, wildfire apps and I call it wildfire because it just spread without anyone knowing how it started or why it's spreading. Right. Yeah, my competitor's probably doing it, so I didn't. Mm-hmm. That's the worst way. Yeah, but <laughs> and you don't see those apps as much anymore. A couple of years ago, it was really popular, and then everyone installed it, and they realized this isn't doing anything. And also, half of the companies using it are lying about who's purchasing what. You know, they all had Bob from Waco, Texas, and it was kind of like you saw like, Bob that guy from Waco. shops on every site I've been on. <laughs> exactly, and you're kind of like, eh, that's the default that gives you right. So here's the other thing. Uh, I I really think what you know, you need to be thinking about here and urgency is stock levels, right? And I'm not talking about lying. I'm saying, you know, okay, only a few left. And what do I mean by few? Well, I have two or three and you better buy it right away or it's going to go out of stock, right? There's some mm-hmm. great tools, especially if you're on, on platforms like Shopify that are great apps that will do dynamic badging around quantity left. So it can pull your quantities and do a dynamic image overlay on your product images. It will put a badge up in the corner that says, you know, like two left, one left, whatever, right? That's what I'm talking about with urgency. Or something like, hey, free shipping, you're doing an offer, not a discount. When I talk about urgency, I'm not talking discounts, Mm -hmm. as you know quite well. There could be some offers. It could be, you know, right now it's a buy one, get a free gift. There's a a whole litany of offers you can do that are not discounting. And so I think when I'm talking about urgency, I'm talking about those type of items. And so generally, if you're a brand that has just tons of inventory, you have to focus more on getting creative and incentivizing without discounting Mm -hmm. to get that purchase from the product page. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Create create urgency if it's necessary, right? The other thing we see perform really well 
in terms of urgency is if it's out of stock to sign up to get notified when it's in stock. We have a client we've worked with for years that is a really well-known Japanese outdoor brand, outdoor camping, high end. And what we have done for them over the years is help refine their out of stock notifications. They have some products that never are in stock because as soon as they send out that out of stock notification, they burn through their stock again. And I'm not talking that they only get five or 10 in. No, they get thousands. But the thing about it is, is that consumers have all signed up for this list and they want these products. We say, hey, you want this product? Sign up to be notified. And then we send out an email and that email goes out back in stock, you know, click here to buy it, adds it right to the cart and they're able to purchase. And then before it even ever hits the site and, and they, you know, changes the product detail pages, show how much stock is left, it's, it's gone uh, within hours. Jeez. Yeah, we're actually going to, I'm going to test pre-sell. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, hey, we're this new blend from Joyful Dirt's coming out. We're going to start advertising it and pre-sell it on social so we can start demand, you know, figuring what demand looks like, what our production runs need to look like. That's a great idea. And hopefully there's a lot there, but <laughs> if not, they were like, yeah, hey, we're only producing a few hundred. We'll be fine. <laughs> uh, okay. So what else do we need to be considering? What's average e-com business owner not going to be thinking about that you know that they don't even know to ask. Like, what don't I know that I should know? Well, I think there's some simple questions that need to be answered, right? So let's look at this as maybe, I don't know, questions that somebody doing a natural deodorant product might have, right? So you need to think about this, like who's the customer, right? That's always the first one. Who's the potential customer? So when you're starting to write this, you need to to be thinking about that first. So let's say here, it would be men and women who are fed up with chemical packed deodorants. Right. So just being a normal deodorant and saying, hey, people who don't like to stink, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. that's not going to be good enough. Right. You got what's your differentiating point? The second is, you know, what problems does it solve? This is where you can get into it helps keep them stink free. Right. So the potential customer is not the problem. It's it's what what pain are you solving for them that is a little bit deeper than the surface level. And then the problem it solves is is really the high level. Okay. People buy deodorant for this main reason, right? But the differentiating point is is what's going to define that potential customer. Then you get into what desires does it fulfill, right? So for this deodorant, it would be something like feeling healthier, more responsible towards their bodies and the planet, maybe just feeling less dirty and smelly. I mean, it could be that that <laughs> generic, right? And maybe they've, you know been fertilizing their garden all day with uh, joyful dirt and now they you know they, they don't want to come back in the house and, and smell uh and then you need to be thinking about what objections people have and this is where it's like hey why are you using a natural deodorant or maybe other natural deodorants just don't seem to work or they lie about the ingredients those are all types of things you should really be thinking about there the next question you really want to ask yourself is why you why your brand compared to the other guys why does this deodorant actually work right and then last of all definitely not least but you really want to think about what words your consumers are using so you can mirror what they're looking for there and this is great this is where user research can really come in just interviewing consumers doing some user testing for instance so when they you know talk about what words they use things like natural fresh perhaps scent or confident, right? And those are words that you can bake into your product description. So they're going to write it Mm -hmm. for you. And if you go and you answer all of these questions in an outline, kind of like I just did, where I answered each question a little bit about the order, you'll have most of your product description written, right? And then you can move on from there. You're listening to Drive and Convert, a podcast focused on e-commerce growth. 
Your hosts are John McDonald, founder of The Good, a conversion rate optimization agency that works with e-commerce brands to help convert more of their visitors into buyers, and Ryan Garrow of Logical Position, a digital marketing agency offering pay-per-click management, search engine optimization, and website design services to brands of all sizes. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us out by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing it with a friend or colleague. Thank you. I know that pictures are worth more than words. And so do you consider the images on the side of a product description as part of the description or is that different entirely? And it's a whole nother conversation around the images or do you use them together? I, I think it's a whole nother conversation, quite honestly. Although people say a picture is worth a thousand words. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. And that's why pictures, we should do a whole nother episode on that because I do think it matters. And I think that there's a lot of things out there that you could be doing. I think on model, off model, 360, in use, size comparison. I mean, you really got to be thinking about all the different types of images that you could be doing. And a lot of brands will focus on the words, right? Because a lot of consumers will go to the words with one and with one good photo, you can still get them to convert. But after that, you really need to dive in and start thinking about all the other photos that you could do. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's a ripe opportunity for optimization as well, for sure. Got it. You've done a lot of obviously user testing and, mm-hmm. and listen to a lot of people go through the process of buying. Are there certain types of people that are only going to pay attention to image and some that only pay attention to the words? And that just is like a personality or a person, or is it everybody's taking all that information in together? I think that as humans, we're visual, but there are some people who will, if you have a video, they're just going to watch the video and they're going to skim. This is really huge on B2B websites where you want to bake in video because what's going to happen, I mean, meaningful video, right? Telling you about the product and walking you through it, et cetera, because consumers are going to just scroll until they find that video and then watch that video while they're doing something else like on a bus or, you know, in traffic or eating lunch, right? I just did that. I was evaluating some software for our business for the good over lunch. And I I was eating lunch watching product videos. I didn't want to read about it. I just wanted to sit there and watch the video. I just put it Mm -hmm. on one and a half speed and then go. And I think that's a lot of people will do that. And I think in terms of images, it's similar. A lot of people will get that that content from the images, but they're not going to get all the features and benefits that way. They're really not, right? People still need the bullet point list to see all of the features. If people who are going to be watching the video, looking at the images, that's where they're going to start. And if you don't get it right there, they're not even going to go on to read the bullet list. So it is important for a segment of the audience for sure. I think of product descriptions kind of like, I think of one on my website and I think of one on the Amazon and mm-hmm. I probably have probably put more time into the Amazon one. <laughs> um, uh, but I have more volume on Amazon right now. And so, but Amazon has like multiple areas for information. Like you get mm-hmm. the top, there's image and then a short description and then you go down and you have A plus content and expanded descriptions. And now that I think about a lot of websites have that same type of feel built out around them. Mm-hmm. Are you th- seeing a lot of focus needing to be on the short snippet kind of at the top more than at the bottom? Because sometimes the descriptions I see, especially on B2B, like all the spec tab that is really mm-hmm. long and drawn out. You can tell people are like just dumping information from an SEO perspective sometimes in there. Is there one area that's more important in all of that? Yes. I, I think in the concept of the description, this is what goes towards the top of the page 
right? Okay. So often you'll have images on the left and then all the product description content on the right. As you scroll down, you can take those bullet points we talked about earlier with the benefits and the specific features and that bullet list and break that down throughout the page. That's typically what I would recommend. So have the bullet point. And if people want to dive into each one of those, so say, you know, you're talking about the deodorant as we talked about earlier, and you know, you want to look at the ingredients list. Well, you can say all natural ingredients in the as a bullet point. And then at the bottom, you could start saying all natural ingredients, and then you break out what those ingredients are and talk about the benefits of each and how it's truly all natural and it doesn't include, mm-hmm. you know, what is the big one, aluminum or something that people don't like. I don't know. But um, I think, you know, it's something like that where you would use the rest of the page to truly break it down. And that's where you can also inject some brand. And it's also where you should be injecting supporting content like blog articles. Too many too many brands put the blog on the homepage, right? So they have like this, this lineup of blog posts that nobody cares about on their homepage. Uh, the blog post is top of the funnel. It's great for getting people to your site. It's great for SEO, for instance. But then um, if you send, if they're on your product detail page and you send them back up the funnel, you need to make sure that it's done in a supporting fashion so that you're not, you're not just sending them right back to the top of the funnel for no good reason. So what I mean by that is maybe you have a blog article all about those ingredients or a specific ingredient that you're using and you want to talk about why it's more superior and you need, you know, a thousand or fifteen hundred words. Well, that's not good for your for your product detail page. But it would be good to link to that and say, hey, want to learn more about this? Read this blog post about it. That's mm-hmm. also going to help your SEO and Google find all of that content together. Yeah, I think exactly zero times have I ever gone from a home page trying to research a brand for a product and gone to the blog and been like, hmm, let me read some blogs. Mm-hmm. No, not going to happen, right? <laughs> Never happen. I'm like, no, I'm here for a, to buy a product or research the product, not read about how the product worked on XYZ and these conditions. Yeah, but when you're on a product detail page and doing your research and you're far, far enough down that step, it might be relevant to some <laughs> degree to know that it's there. Awesome. Now, obviously, John, you've, you've broken down and torn apart a lot of product pages over your life. What are some of the questions that you've had clients ask you as they've gone through the process and tried to implement a lot of what you've talked about, even with your template. Mm -hmm. And are there any funny ones or ones that that, uh, make sense that other people are probably going to be asking after they start doing this? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I have, I've probably broken down hundreds of thousands of these at this point. I don't know. That might be exaggerating, but it is kind of like, what's that movie with the kid where he's like, I see dead people. It's me. I can't, I can't go down the internet and shop without seeing messed up product detail pages everywhere. Um, It's just, you know, unfortunate side effect of my job. But I will say I do love when we have a positive effect on those. And and so the I'm always happy to answer questions, but yeah, I do get some, some off the wall ones. I think the biggest one I get all the time is can't I just copy my description from a competitor? It's working for <laughs> them, so why not, right? I hear that all the time. Look, I, I'm shocked I even have to answer this, but yeah, the, the short answer is no, you can't lift product descriptions from your competitors. I mean, look, beyond the the SEO challenges of that, meaning that it's going to be a challenge where Google sees the same as that content across two sites. And then you're playing a really hard to win game because Google's going to pick one of them. Or, you know, when they do that, it's likely not going to be you because it knows that content's been on the other site longer. Right. And so that's what it considers mm-hmm. the original source. Now, what about product descriptions from the supplier or the manufacturer, especially if you've got a site with 100,000 products on it, 
Well, you might want to evaluate why you have a site with 100,000 products. <laughs> True. But there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wonder how many of those are just drop shipping, like not doing that great, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why they're not doing that great. If you really want to be successful at something like that, you need to customize the heck out of it. And so you really do need to sit down and do this for all the products. So it's not just the manufacturer description. Now, you can base it on that manufacturer description, but don't copy and paste that because everyone else who's drop shipping that product is doing the same thing. Or on top of that, you're not really adding any additional value. And I can promise you most of those descriptions are D-level work. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're not even a passing grade in most cases. So I think copying is a moral issue for me in addition to the SEO issue. So mm-hmm. it's a two strikes you're out rule, really. Using the manufacturer, I think, is the SEO rule and ineffective. It's just a, a, a no non-starter. And I think that if you are in the e-commerce world and you are assuming something, mm. you're going to lose. <laughs> you never assume that this is working for a competitor because they're doing it and they you think they're bigger than you. Yep. And you assume that somebody knows what they're doing. Obviously, I have a, a wine and beer re- business and you drink wine. If you read wine descriptions, those are generally written by somebody sitting at a desk at a winery that's coming up with weird terms. One of my friends owns a winery and I'm like, well, how'd you come up with your descriptions? Oh, my wife and I started drinking wine and decided, let's start putting these mm-hmm. things in there. <laughs> like, you can't assume that that was, it's a lot, if it works, it's on accident many times. I have, I have a good friend who runs an agency that does nothing but branding and labels for wine and spirits brands. And that is the number one challenge that they get from brands, their customers that they work with is that those vineyards will send over the descriptions and they're like, this isn't going to fly. Like, we got to help you optimize this. <laughs> uh, it's a challenge. What, you know, it's not unique. They're like, you might as well just label it alcohol, you know, alcohol yeah. from grapes. And that's always the joke. He, you know, my friend is always just like, so, you know, you sent me this description. I, I'm just going to change it and say alcohol from grapes. <laughs> <laughs> we're, pl- we're planting wine grapes right now. And I told my wife, I was like, yeah, we're going to make some wine with it. She's like, you think it's going to be good? I'm like, oh, probably not. But we're just going to call it like Ryan's yeast juice. <laughs> and it's going to be great. It's going to sell like crap. <laughs> so when you gift me a bottle, I'll know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Ryan's yeast juice. That's actually wine. Uh, grape juice with some yeast in it that, you know, sat in the bottle for too long. Became alcoholic. <laughs> can't, can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait for my marketing to go. All the marketing energy I have. Uh, Ryan's yeast juice. <laughs> Uh, I should probably trademark before it gets out. Yeah, made with Ryan's uh, fertilizer. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> Joy, joyful dirt wine. Well, yeah, I, I think the other question that I get a lot here is how long product description should be. And mm-hmm. I think um, it's not a one-size-fits-all, right? It's long enough to be helpful, short enough to be digestible. And depends on the product, right? So a few quick sentences could work for your product, or you may need to write 1,500 words. But I think, you know, it's something where you really need to understand your audience. Are they here quick? Are they deciding between a couple of things and want a feature list? Or should you put more effort into the story? Also, there's a brand aspect, right? There's a lot of brands who have a lot of fun with their product descriptions. And then there's a lot of brands who are just dry. That's just kind of their brand. And you go from there. Okay. So over the past, let's just keep it recent, three years, who would you say of companies you've at least seen their site. You don't have to work with them. Probably did the best with their product descriptions. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with Chubby's? I'm not. Oh, okay. So Chubby's is a men's, mostly men's clothing brand, and they do some hilarious descriptions. They started out, I believe, selling swim trunks, and it's oh, yeah, not yeah, much of other stuff. Mm-hmm. But 
They've always done some good work. I haven't looked at the site in a while, but they were a pretty good one from back in the day. And I think, you know, generally there's brands like Olipop and a few others like that who are new and are doing a really, really good job with it. I don't know if you've heard of Olipop. It's kind of like a new Mm -hmm. flavored seltzer brand. They do a really, really good job with it. You know, I also think that there's a couple out there around more around like eyeglasses, like Felix Grey, things of that sort that do a really, really good job. And I think that their biggest competitor is Warby Parker. And I think Warby Parker does a good job, but Felix Grey has really made their, their calling card being better content on the page. Got it. The other one that I really like is Cards Against Humanity. I don't know if you've <laughs> ever been to their site. but oh, I love that game. Perfect. It's the most inappropriate family game we've played yeah. with my in-laws. Okay, I was going to say, yeah, that could be awkward at best. Uh, oh, it for sure is. <laughs> they have a teenager version I've played with uh, my cousins, and I will tell you that got awkward real quick too. But, you know, they have add-on packs and all this other stuff, and they do a great job with branding, right? And they have a couple of sentences, you know, they'll say, hey, this is just, uh, they'll, they'll be very quick. This is all about these topics. It's 300, you know, and, but they'll inject some brand. So they'll say all new absurd box contains 300 mind bending cards that came to us after taking peyote and wandering in the desert. Right. And it's kind of like, that's funny. And I know what I'm going to get is just like weird, random stuff. Right. And then it's, they did in the bullet points, right? 300 brand new cards to mix into your game. This one's pretty weird. Okay. So they're going to be weird. I get it. Uh, it's an expansion. It requires the main game. So now I'm like, okay, I get it. It's expansion pack. Right. And you have nothing to lose but your chains. I don't know what that even means, but that's what they're telling you. So I think, you know, it's on brand because it's super random. And I think that last bullet point is all meant to just demonstrate the randomness that they're mm-hmm. going to get out of this pack, right? And then if you go down the page, they have a lot more info about and some samples and stuff. But that kind of gives you a good example there. Thank you. That's awesome. Any parting words or places people need to be focusing and getting started on? Yeah, I think, look, it's it's there's a simple formula that you can follow. And too many brands don't even try to follow the, the formula. And if you go to the Goods website and uh, on our insights or articles page, or just go to thegood.com slash insights slash product dash descriptions. We have a really great article that breaks all of this down and more, gives you a ton of examples. And uh, it's a great way for you to just take the template we've got on there and start using that and applying it to your product descriptions. and. Ryan, it sounds like you might have some work to do, but it will get you a higher conversion. <laughs> I, think so. I, I think I might. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for the time, John. I appreciate it. And, and educating me, as always, Great. on well, how to make my site work better. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing the results on that. Thanks for chatting today. Thanks for listening to Drive and Convert with John McDonald and Ryan Garrow. To keep up to date with new episodes, you can subscribe at driveandconvert.com.